Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. As I mentioned before, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists. You can find our stuff all over the internet, although me... You'll find me primarily on autoguide.com as well as his YouTube page. Uh, ben, where can we find all of your lovely, delicious content? You can find me at Driving Line on newsstands at Super Street in Haggerty, Classic Car, and on Automobile. Wow. It only took 45 minutes for you to tell me all of the publications. that We actually had to cut that down in post because it, it just took the whole time. Mostly whole I was just time. blanking out and staring into space. <laughs> Sammy always cuts that in post-production. Um, this week we've got some pretty cool cars to talk about. All new vehicles and Ben was one heck of a jet setter. So I'm going to start off though. I'm going to talk about the brand new 2020 Hyundai Sonata, a vehicle that we probably won't even get on our side of the ocean until, I don't know, the third quarter of 2019. In fact, I don't even know what quarter we're in right now. It doesn't matter. It's quarters or quarters, Sammy. But I'm excited about this car because I'm looking at pictures of it right now. And there's a lot of wild stuff going on here. Like, this is not (laughs) something you would expect from, from, from Hyundai. No, actually, I think this is exactly what I expected from Hyundai and wasn't wasn't satisfied with the last generation well that's what i'm saying because the sonata before the current sonata was really cool looking and then they Mm -hmm. just kind of backed away from all of that and made a really bland i don't know is a harsh word but i mean i like the current sonata but it, it no question the older one looked better and and to see them go back to something that's so visually striking is is great I actually let's let's step back and take a look at the current um, 2019-2018 Hyundai Sonata. It is actually a very competent vehicle. I enjoy it a lot. I think it drives very well and it has a gorgeous interior, all for a very good price. But there's something lacking about it. There's a lot. There's a lack of personality, and that's something that the past Sonatas have always had. It, they always looked like something special, something yeah. very unique, and that was their best-selling Sonata ever. That really cool-looking, I think it was the um, sixth-generation model. So now for 2020, uh, they're going back to some crazy new design. And the number one thing I can tell you is it has an LED strip on the hood of the vehicle. That's one crazy way that they've decided to make this car stand out. Remember when those lighting, strips, those lighting strips used to be all over the backs of vehicles? Like, Cadillac started doing it in the 90s, right? With, I think, mm-hmm. the... Um, the North Star powered cars, the ETC and the STS. Oh and, right, and the DTS or something yeah, like that. Well, the DTS wasn't around yet, but um, it was. It was like they kind of kicked that off, and then everyone was like, "Oh, we have to have." Okay, uh, Lincoln had it on the Mark Eights and the Continentals as well. It was like a uh, a neon kind of thing. <laughs> and so, do you think that like now that Hyundai is doing this with the Sonata, everyone's going to have this light? I'm not sure because the way this like it's a daytime running light. It's an LED strip that that continues a line from the headlight onto the hood and then fades out on the hood and continues a chrome strip alongside the uh, alongside the profile of the vehicle and wraps around the sort of um, I guess they call it a daylight opening and that's essentially the window profile of the vehicle. And wait 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 wait, wait, wait. so so it's that stripe that's at the bottom, right? No, no, at the top. At the top that goes along the fenders. Yes. Okay. Sorry, because in my mind I was picturing it went across the lip of the of the hood as well, and I see that it doesn't, so I feel stupid. <laughs> don't worry about it. Uh, this, even, is an, this, this is an audio medium. We need to do our best at describing the 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 vehicles in whatever way we can. And I didn't do that. I'm sorry, Ben. It's on me. 
Um, but it, it is more or less like a, a light signature. It's something to, to catch your eye when you're driving past one or when you see one in the rearview mirror. And I think it does a really good job. The rest of the vehicle, especially that front profile, looks very premium. It has a nice wide grille. And you'll also notice that there's no like line in the hood for where it opens uh, separate from the bumper. That's all the way to the grille, which is a really unique thing that uh, few auto- uh, very few automakers do. If you ever look at a at a hood, there's a line where it shuts right on the bumper, and that causes a little bit of, like, uh, it takes you out of the moment, I guess. Well, it takes you out of the, the moment of witnessing <laughs> the, the front end of a car. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Is the reason – I think the reason maybe why hoods don't go all the way to the front anymore, it's got to be crash-related, right? Like it, it, right. Must, it must be more expensive to replace the hood because, I mean, if you're in an accident with this car, you're going you're gonna to crease the hood. Right. Whereas you yes. wouldn't in in a normal, I arc. agree. <laughs> okay, uh, and I believe they must they must have some faith in in the either the safety features of their vehicle, which you know as we get further further into the uh, into the present into the future into the as, present. I'm already in the present, Sammy. <laughs> Where are you as right we now? Move, yeah. Can you describe as, like uh, is are there rotary phones? Like what's going on? No, that's the past. I know that. Um, as we get into the future, we have more and more uh, crash avoidance technology, and I imagine that uh, is what they're banking on now and allows them to, to get away with some pretty daring t- daring design. Um, around back, the vehicle looks a little bit like a Civic. It's got these kind of uh, wraparound taillights, and they go uh, the entire width of the vehicle. And it's got a very it looks, sharp – I was going to say it looks yes. kind of like a Lincoln. Really? I don't know. I don't see it. Maybe. I don't really see it like a Civic. Like a Civic has that glass and then like the triple exhaust and then the weird thing and then the You're other You're thinking vent. of the Type R, obviously, which just... is the only way you go when you think of cars. <laughs> the most extreme version of the vehicle. Yeah, the, the Lincoln Mark Type R. That's, that's what I'm thinking <laughs> of right now. Hyundai's really hit the nail on the head. And uh, I think it's a very – you know what? All I got to say is that this vehicle has a very sharp, daring design. And I think this is what's going to help it stand out against uh, ultra-popular vehicles like the Accord and Camry. Um, and you know what? That new Altima is, is getting a lot of attention as well. But there's something to be said about you know sedans. We've been talking about this for uh, you know as long as the podcast has been around. We've been saying sedan sales are, are – are, diminishing crossovers are coming in and you've got to deliver something when it comes to a sedan that is super special and gets people into into a a car rather than a crossover and i think hyundai might have something with this very nice design i don't think you can get a design like this on a crossover this is just not i don't think it's possible do you yeah i think it's 100 percent possible but people just you're crazy no i just people (laughs) just choose not to do it i mean you can make (laughs) No, you can make an interesting looking crossover, but it's easier not to because no one cares. Like, tell me what an intre- Tell me one interesting looking crossover on the market right the now. The Velar. Mm, the Range Rover Velar is okay looking, but it's also okay very expensive. Looking. Hashtag Sammy Hadjasad. Okay, actually, I agree with you. It's beautiful, <laughs> but it's also very expensive. And yeah, I, I imagine the Sonata is not going to be as expensive. It'll probably be half the price of a of, uh, of Velar. I think Maybe a Forester less- looks pretty good. I'm sorry, a Forester? Yeah, I think a Forester looks pretty good. I think they look, they put some effort what? into making that look good. No, you're you're. This is not good, okay. and Park we're a, gonna have commenters. Park an Outback beside a Forester and tell me which one looks good and which one looks like every other crossover. <laughs> they both look like every other crossover. They do not. That is not true. Oh, uh, another another SUV that I think looks pretty good: Kia Sorento. 
Yeah, no, I'm not seeing it, man. Wow, so you hate every crossover is what you're saying. No. There is no crossover that looks good to you, so no matter no what pretty, I say... They're not pretty crossovers, that's I'm all I'm saying. I'm not saying they're pretty. I, I, I'm just what? saying that they, it's possible to design one that looks good and people just don't. No, Well, I'm saying that you can't get the design that we we're seeing in the Sonata on something like a crossover. Uh, I don't know, man. Okay, well, we'll see. I mean, as we keep going towards... The future. Towards the crossover singularity. <laughs> yes. I, the, here's another one. Um, Jaguar F-Pace. Yeah, that's a gorgeous car. Okay. So, okay. Uh, yeah. It's there. It's coming. But All the, right. fact, the fact that there are so few of them, mm-hmm. I think it's just because people will buy whatever you tell them to buy if it has crossover on it somewhere. No one, tell, on it. no one listens to me when I tell them what well, to buy. you. That's I meant like the universal you, excluding you and me in this podcast. <laughs> yes. Okay. But back to the Sonata. It has a gorgeous interior, very striking. It's hard to ignore. And the interior of it is also quite gorgeous. Um, can be fully, really well uh, equipped with some really nice leather seats that feature not really like quilted stitching but like it's kind of like a, a squiggly wave wavy line and it looks really sharp and really cool it's very unique squiggly um, wavy line is that yeah do you think that's what they called it in the product meeting when they're like so what's the interior gonna look like oh get this <laughs> have you ever held a pencil in your lap on a piece of paper and driven over a bumpy road that's what you're gonna get squiggly wavy line where where is this line i'm looking at a picture right now it's on the you can see it on the shoulder of the seats that's called waffling it, okay. It's a waffle pattern. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of a waffle, I guess. And, it's not exactly a quilted pattern. I got another question for you. What are those three buttons on the inside of the passenger seat? That is seat? for the Korean to, to the Korean market. We drove these vehicles in South Korea, and those are to move uh, that passenger seat forward and backwards. Okay. All right. Why can't uh, we have that in North America? I would love that. Probably because you'd use it, your friends would use it to crush your parents or something. They could already... What? Crush the parents? Mean, kids would probably fiddle around with that too. Yeah, much. You'd have a lockout button, like a child lock for the lights. I mean, it's we have the technology, Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> As we move towards the future, we have the seat technology for it. Um, what I really like is there's a lot of uh, really nice uh, high tech features. Uh, there's a massive 12 inch um, da- digital gauge cluster on the on, in the vehicle, and what Hyundai has done is they've this is re- you'll find this really wild. There's, you know, remember Honda Lane Watch? Yeah, well, it's still around. Do you remember it, though? Yeah, I really disliked it. Well, you're going to love this. Okay. Um, This is a Lane Watch (laughs) for both sides of the car. And it shows up, instead of in the central infotainment system, it shows up in that digital gauge cluster. But unlike uh, Honda vehicles with Lane Watch, this car also comes with um, blind spot uh, monitoring. Okay. So you don't need to rely on that camera to tell you what's going on next to the car. Yeah, because on Lane Watch, it only works on the right side of the vehicle, and Blind yeah. Spot is usually only available available on the high, high trim levels. <laughs> yeah. So this, the, this, Do you know why I hate Lane Watch, Sammy? Because it, I think it encourages bad habits on the well, road. Well, it, it makes you look away from the road. Yeah, it makes you look in the, in the center of the, of the dash. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a distracting feature. Do you think those cameras in a in front of di- almost directly in front of you in the gauge cluster is a little bit closer to the road? It's closer to the road, but I don't like the idea of any system that distracts you from the road while it's trying to get you to pay attention to your driving. I just right. I feel like maybe if it was in a heads-up display, a legitimate head-up display where you're actually looking out in front of you directly, then then maybe it's acceptable, but I think the reason why a blind spot monitor works with the the lights being on the mirrors or near the mirrors is because that's where you would be looking anyway when you're initiating that turn. 
Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're turning left, you're going to look left. You'll see the light on the left pillar or the left mirror. You're not going to be looking at the gauge cluster necessarily. So it's drawing your attention away, or it's not being used at all. And it, and that's where it starts to feel a little gimmicky to me. There's also a head-up display on this vehicle. I can't remember if it does this. Um, a lot of Mazdas, and I think some Hyundai's actually tell you where when your blind spot monitor is like um, is activated through the head-up display, just with like a little like a like a symbol that. Means you don't even have to check your mirror. It's you like a skull and crossbones. It's not a skull and crossbones. And also, isn't that is that the international symbol for pirates or something deadly? I'm pretty sure it's poison. I think that's what it's for. I mean, they you see it on like cleaning supplies. You wouldn't put yeah, a pirate I warning it was like, for pirates. Yeah. I thought it was like pirate approved bleach. I never use pirate approved bleach. I use dolphin friendly bleach. It's different. Mm, it is different, isn't it? Yes, very different. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> one of the very interesting things, it's a very small thing, but they've managed to make a – I think I mentioned this in a podcast. I love wireless charging now. It's my favorite thing in the world. I have a phone that supports wireless charging. Yeah, we, and now talked, I, we argued okay. about that. We argued about this. So <laughs> the Sonata has a wireless charging um, tray that has that is vented and allows it to be charged, I believe, twice as fast as before. Why so if it was invented <laughs> it would be a fire hazard? <laughs> I believe it would be very it would be dangerous. So like if I block those vents by accident or because I have a messy car then there could be problems. This is what you're saying. I'm not sure, maybe. I, let's let's hope so for the sake of drama. Okay. Wow. For the sake of the, ta- the tabloids. Just put like a hex on all these future Sonata owners. <laughs> oh no. Um there's also a digital key. Uh, it uses NFC technology on your phone, so you can just tap the phone to the handle of the vehicle and unlock and lock it. And just what I wanted, a bigger key. <laughs> <laughs> I mean keys are getting massive now anyways. Yeah, so why don't I have a phone sized key? I always figured that, that that is an interesting thing. Like I can't leave my house without my keys. I've gotta I've gotta lock my door. Yeah, me too. And on that key ring are my car keys. Like I don't understand the, this situation where I'm like, I don't know where my keys are. Okay, well so, I, I have three cars and I don't have and you them. You don't carry all the keys at the same time? No, because I have keys for other things too. Like I have a key ring for my house and the garage and some other stuff and another house and that kind of thing. And and um, I have separate key rings for each individual vehicle because yeah. I mean with press cars that I drive every week as well I, I would never have those on my regular keychain so I'm always taking an additional set of keys. Yeah, but not everyone has press cars. No, okay. So if I didn't have press cars, I would still you own have three one cars. less set of cars. <laughs> yeah, but you probably know what car you're going to use. By the time you're leaving your house. Yes, I don't understand where you're going with this. <laughs> so you'd have that key. Like that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I would have my car keys with me when I'm going to drive my car. That seems logical. <laughs> Why do we need a digital key? So, yeah, I have a question, though. Uh, so the digital key... No, no, yes. I follow... I agree. I with can you. send it to you. How about no, that? Is I, that better? I if agree. I can email you my keys. Let me fax you my email address, and then you can no. email me your keys. <laughs> yeah. Would you like that? Would you ever share your digital key with somebody? Wait, is, can you do that? Is that what yes. you're saying? Yeah, okay, you didn't sure. mention that at all. Other they thing, need to get the app, though, I believe. Other other question I have, is this digital key also capable of starting the ignition? Yeah. Okay, so where does the phone have to be for that to happen? I don't know. Okay. Somewhere in the car, I imagine. I, I believe it's using Hyundai's Blue Link um, telematic system probably to detect where the key is in relation to the phone. Hmm. Um, That's interesting because it suggests that Blue Link is active even when the car is not. 
Yeah, I think that's the case because in order for you to see uh, and lock and unlock the car, uh, you can do that digitally right now uh, through a website or even an app. Um, you don't need a new model. You don't need a 2020 Hyundai Sonata to do that. Okay. Um, there's also a if you if you want to use your key, there's a remote smart parking assistant. It is essentially you can turn on the car from the from the key fob. And you can move it forward and backwards. Remember we've talked about this in the BMWs? Yes, and how it's entirely useless. <laughs> yes, but now you can get it in a Hyundai Sonata. Oh, perfect. <laughs> and you don't need to have that ginormous key that requires uh, you to charge it. You, you just you have know, a normal size key. You know, uh, something we forgot. We talked about the X5 a little uh, recently, I believe. Yeah, we did talk about the X and the X7. Do you remember that? Yeah, I, yeah, I remember that. But there was, there was something about that you just reminded me that we didn't talk about with the X5. And that's – it has this new feature – where it can remember like the last 160 oh, feet yeah. of driving that you've done and it will automatically back itself up along the exact same path it came forward on yeah. um, without you having to do it. Yeah, so, I, I saw this in the 3 Series and it was a very bizarre feature. Yeah, it's so oddly specific. It's like <laughs> – It's as if one, one exec was like, <laughs> man, I got stuck. In the alley, and I couldn't turn around. Yeah, Can you guys have, make this happen? They have a hundred and sixty foot driveway, and they just can't be bothered. Like it's it's so it's so unusual. Um, but you reminded me with this whole see that to me makes more sense than the I can park and and not park when I'm inside the car because as we, the reason for those who who don't religiously follow the podcast. The reason why this feature is stupid is because if you park your car somewhere, people are always like, oh, this will be great if the parking spot is super tight. Then I can get my car out and uh, and I won't have to open the door. If you're in there so tight that you can't open the door, you couldn't have gotten out of the car in the first place. So there's no actual use case for this type of system unless you live in a world where – you leave the car, and then when you come back, there are two cars that are parked so close to either door that you can't get in. In which case, it seems like a lot of development dollars were very, very, again, specific. Like, do you think an executive? I also <laughs> he I'm came also... out one time and he was like, "Not again." <laughs> get, this. get the engineers on this. Um, I also would imagine. Can you please tell me what would be going on in your mind when you're looking you're you're find, trying to find a parking spot in a in a in a parking lot and it can and only be 160 car. feet from the entrance that's the hardest <laughs> no. part of it and you see this car a half in a parking spot and a person staring at it pointing their key at it moving forward and backwards and you're just like get that person out of the spot yeah, please it would be like, like a get Jedi out of the way trick. totally <laughs> yeah um let's get to the point of this this sonata how does it drive and uh, what's powering it so I'm going to give you the bad news. I did not drive the North American spec version of this vehicle. I drove a South Korean version of it. Um, and I can tell you what engines will be offered in North America. And I will tell you that I have not driven those engines. Okay. Um, we're expected to get a 2.5 liter four-cylinder engine that makes 191 horsepower and 181 pound-feet of torque. Okay. And we're also expected to get a 1.6-liter turbocharged four-cylinder engine that will make 180 horsepower and 195 pound-feet of torque. I actually drove this turbo 1.6 very briefly on a development um, track, and it was pretty good. It, sound, it felt better than those numbers indicate. Yeah, because what, what I'm hearing here is not a lot of power for the – like Yeah, sorry. 
Zero. Zero power. That is less than the four-cylinder that you get in the in the Camry, and it's less than the 1.5 turbo that you get in the Accord. And not so, to mention the fact that there's a 300-horsepower Camry. Yes, and a and a two-liter turbo Accord, right? Yeah, so uh, what's what's the deal? What's, what I have think? no idea. And they didn't deal. have it. You didn't say this. Ask them and be like, hey. Uh, we did. We, we asked them, and they said we haven't uh, finalized all of the packaging options for all of the markets. So you're In saying, China. You're saying V8 Sonata is on the way is what you're saying. Yeah, maybe twin. Tur- that they're gonna put that three point three liter twin turbo V six from the uh, Genesis in here. <laughs> that would be something. There is a two liter turbo, a new two liter turbo that's being offered in China, which offers two hundred forty horsepower, which is a lot. Well, I'm saying um, that's it's probably the same engine that's in the Santa Fe. Yeah, that makes sense. Now that now that you mention it, it but it is a new generation engine. They have a whole new mo- name for them. They're called Smart Stream. Which sounds Smart like something stream. that I'd have in my enter in my in, in my kitchen. living room. Yeah, in your kitchen. And uh, the so the only thing I know about SmartStream is that the 2.5 liter naturally aspirated motor has direct and port injection. Okay, lightning round, Sammy. Oh no, S- SmartStream or Earth Dreams? <laughs> SmartStream. SmartStream. I think SmartStream sounds cooler. Wow. Okay, that's a surprise. Yeah. What about Dynamic Force though? What about Dynamic Force? That sounds way cooler. It does sound pretty cool. It actually sounds like a series of 80s movies. Yeah. <laughs> starring <Smart laughs> starring like now dead action stars who are in the last part of latter part of their career when this was filmed. Uh we should have a we should have a bracket for all of our favorite engine names. That'd that would be, be great. good. Although Distronic Dynamic Plus would like, you know. That's true. Yep. Um so I, I did drive the 1.6. I mostly tootled around in a 2-liter naturally aspirated engine, which did not feel very powerful, um, and it wasn't. It was good enough, but it allowed me to enjoy the chassis of the vehicle, which was really rigid and nice and, and well um, well sorted, actually. They did a really good job. This is a new generation platform, and Hyundai says that this will underpin a number of new vehicles coming forward, including crossovers. So there was some speculation that... Since the platform can support um, all-wheel drive, that maybe Hyundai will go all-wheel drive with its Sonata at some point down the line. I'm not sure about that yet, but uh, that's something that they alluded to. And they also suggested that they'll continue their um, sort of trend of offering a hybrid and plug-in hybrid version of the Sonata in the future as well. So Uh, so powertrains are coming. Given that you... Earlier in this podcast, not 10 minutes ago, said you didn't think it was possible to create a crossover that had the kind of style that the Hyundai Sonata has. And you've now revealed that this platform will be used to build a crossover. Does this mean that a future crossover based on this platform will not look like the Sonata? I think that's – I mean we'll see. We will see. Hyundai – we actually visited Hyundai's um, design center and we got to take – we got to hang out with a lot of their designers. And they were adamant that they didn't want to create – that um, that that lineup of cars that all look the same, and they want to make vehicles that have an individual personality within the Hyundai lineup, so that they're not going to all look like copy like copies of themselves at one half um, scale. So, okay. I, I mean, we've already seen something with the you know the new Santa Fe. It's a very unique looking vehicle in its class. It has a little bit. I mean, in its lineup, it has a very little bit of. Uh, it doesn't look very much like the Tucson. It looks a little bit like the Tucson. It doesn't at all look like the Palisade, which is, which is bigger than it. And I think that's you know their their format going forward. They want to create Hyundai's. Hyundai needs to have a a very particular design, 
And I think they're delivering that. I mean, just take a look at something like the Veloster. That's a very unique vehicle. Yes, that's uh, very true. And it always has been. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I you can sometimes besides the three door thing i think in the past you could see a little bit of accent in it sometimes but or elantra in it i want to talk about something quickly that you just brought up and in terms of you're talking about hyundai styling and this makes me think about kia styling and it makes me think about the fact that the new ford escape was released this week oh yeah we did see the new ford escape the 2020 ford escape so the reason i'm bringing this up is because to my eyes it looks extremely korean (laughs) <laughs> um, the front end, the lines on the hood, the the profile, it screams Kia and and in some ways Hyundai. And that's amazing to me that, that these two companies are now style leaders to the point where Ford is and, and perhaps other North American automakers are starting to follow their lead. That's a great point. I 100% see the new Kia, the Kia Nero in the brand new um, Ford Escape. And to make things um, even more interesting, the Ford Escape will be offered in two hybrid versions, a plug-in and a normal, like a, like a mild, uh, not a mild hybrid, but a, what do you call these? A battery-assisted battery vehicle? Sure. A, hi- a, a hybrid and a plug-in hybrid version of the of the uh, Escape are expected. And those are two things that the Nero already, already has. So, I mean, if you can't wait for a Ford Escape, you might want a Nero. But I think the big difference is I believe the Ford Escape will come with all-wheel drive while the Nero doesn't. Um, in all my experience with the new Sonata, um, although very limited because I didn't have pricing or um, I didn't get to experience the, the engine for very long – um, was very positive. It's a very well done vehicle. It is sure to attract buyers with its ridiculously good styling, and it's a very impressive cabin. It has a ton of technology, and it's going to be fun to drive as well. So I think this has a a chance at reclaiming the Sonata's um, place in the midsize segment um, like lineup. I think it, it has a chance. Now, a you, very good chance. You, you, when you were in Korea, you didn't just drive the Hyundai Sonata. You also went to a very unusual part of the world. Is that not true? Yeah, we went to the uh, the DMZ, which is a, a sort of neutral area between North and South Korea. And when you uh, say sort of neutral, you mean armed to the teeth, soldiers staring at each other across a, an empty guarded, space. guarded, yes. <laughs> guns pointed at each other's heads, uh, missile batteries primed and ready. It, it, it's not exactly a peaceful place. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not like there's, there's a war going on right now between, in that area. Um, there are some worries that there are some mines in the area, but, uh, we didn't, we stuck to the, to the roads, you know? Uh, we also got to go into some of the tunnels that were dug between the two countries. I Wait, why would for, you do that? <laughs> for, um, the, the North Koreans were, were planning, apparently the North Koreans were, plan- were planning to invade through these tunnels. Um, and we we got to run down one, which was uh, which was pretty neat. It was kind of tiring, but it was uh, pretty interesting. Um, it's very unique to see this kind of and and humbling to see this kind of uh, tension in person when you hear about it on the news and then to go and see it. This this fear that uh, at any moment the, the the peace can be done, can be gone. And over the the horizon, there can be some sort of war happening just outside your doorstep. Yeah. Uh, it is very humbling. It's a very real thing that we all need to be uh, more aware of and maybe a, a, a grateful of the peace that we enjoy um, here at home. Okay. Well, I did not go to South Korea or North Korea or the DMZ. 
Um, and I'm actually a little jealous that Sammy got to experience uh, the DMZ because I think that, like you said, it's a very unique um, environment, I guess is the word I would use. But I did go somewhere that I'd never been before. And mm-hmm. that is Athens, Greece, uh, on the Ooh. Mediterranean. Um, I was there with Jaguar Land Rover, or I guess more specifically, um, more specifically, just Land Rover, because we- <laughs> <laughs> the Jaguar, the Jaguar portion was I, not. Uh, I always around. think of them together. Uh, so I was there with Land Rover because there is a brand new Land Rover Evoke. Uh, or oh, nice. the Land Rover Range Rover Evoke, which is the oh, the full, I hate it when we have to do that. The full name, and uh, you know. If you were to look at this vehicle, you would not necessarily know that it is the new Evoke or that there is a completely really so? a completely new platform underneath. I, I really think so. They are extremely similar. Uh, this The size is almost identical. The, the biggest differences, you'll find them in the details. Like up front, there's different um, air openings and, and, and fog lights and, and strakes in the bumper and that kind of thing. At the rear, taillights are a bit different. The interiors are quite different. But if you put them side by side, and I know this because there was a, a previous generation Evoke that was being used as a chase car, and I would often forget that it was the old one <laughs> and not the new one, and then I would have to remind myself that this is an entirely different vehicle. So yeah, I, I think that uh, the reason why they look so similar is because this is a huge seller for for Land Rover. They've sold seven hundred and seventy five thousand of these vehicles in like eight years. Is that in the U.S. or globally? That's that's globally. Keep wow in the that that is like one year of F one fifty sales. Yeah, <laughs> but for someone like Land Rover to do that, it's an incredible accomplishment. That's that is intense. I, I do think um, maybe I'm trying to figure out why. It's it, is it a familiar design because when I look at it. I can clearly see like a really modern Range Rover look to it, and I think that looks great. Um, and the nude look of the headlights and taillights is really sharp. And, I, and the model that you have photographs of have these really cool bronze accents in some places. And yeah, that's that's that's, really that's sharp an, too. That's available equipment that that, that look very cool. I agree. Um, I I think that part of why it sells so well is because it's affordable. Mm-hmm. For for a Range Rover, it's it's around it's above and below the fifty thousand dollar mark. You can get one of either way. It's up to okay. you. Uh, and there's two engines, or there's three there's uh, just the one engine for okay. North America at this point, and that is a pretty spectacular four cylinder. There's there's uh, there's going to be a hybrid version, a mild hybrid version, mm-hmm. uh, forty eight uh, watt, um, sorry, forty eight volt electrical system. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be, I guess, the second engine. It, the one that we drove was a 256 horsepower, two liter turbo four. It's the Ingenium family, and the 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 hybrid version is almost 300 horsepower. But from what we were told, the vehicles drive very very similar, unless you're in the city, in which case the battery kind of kicks in off the line and you get a, a bit more of a boost. But on the highway, they're almost the same. Okay. Um, in any case, I don't think you really need the. Um, the, the hybrid, hybrid version? No, because the one I drove was quite quick. So uh, I this is my first time in Greece. They have very generous speed limits, I would say, in the 80-mile-an-hour range. Ooh. And um, I was testing them out fairly often. I actually accidentally passed a police van at, I think, 120 miles an hour. Oh. Because I didn't know it was a police van and I needed to get to an exit. And I was with my friend Ken Panton. 
And oh, we, I love Ken. Yeah, and we we pull up beside this van, and it says police on the side. It's like a big van, too. And I'm like, oh, no. And then the driver of the van, the, the cop, looks at me and makes this gesture like, what are you doing? <laughs> and then I blew by him to catch the exit just in front of him. And anyway, I felt like a tourist. But uh, <laughs> all that to say that there's a lot of power in the <laughs> in the evoke. And at no point did I feel like I was, in, I was not going to take this van. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Uh, okay. It has a nine-speed automatic transmission. Yep. They're all all-wheel drive. And that's the term that uh, Land Rover is using in its nomenclature. It's it's all-wheel drive, not four-wheel drive. There's no low-range setting on this on this uh, gearbox. And that's very important. Case. That's incredibly important. I mean, you said that this is a popular vehicle because um, it's the most affordable vehicle that Range Rover offers. But I thought people buy Range Rovers, or at least people buy Range Rovers for the for – the, the the marketability of having this rugged go anywhere vehicle well, is the Evoke one of those? Yeah, because we did a lot of rugged go anywhere stuff. We we what? drove uh, on some very narrow cliff walled, uh, um, I would say riverbeds where like we probably had a couple inches on either side of the vehicle to get through this very narrow part of the road. We went through some some wide dry riverbeds. We did some uh, off roading uphill downhill, very steep stuff. We used the crawl control feature. We used. They had this launch con- launch assist feature that prevents you from oh. slipping backwards on a hill. Oh, okay. Uh, if it's like a very loose loose uh, surface, like dirt or shale or sand. Okay. We used the um, downhill assist where you know, like it, it the it what's it called descent control, where it uh, uses the brakes to keep you locked at a certain speed. Um, we did a lot of different off road stuff. It's got decent okay. ground clearance. And, you know, these are things that most other SUVs in its segment, like you wouldn't be able to do 90% of what we did with an Acura RX or, or a, a uh, Lexus. R- R- RDX or Lexus RX? Lexus RX. Sorry, I have no okay. idea what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, any of, the, any of the premium luxury style crossovers that don't have any off-road equipment, okay. this was not like soft roading. This was the real deal. So I was very impressed with that. Is this car based on the Discovery? No, oh, Discovery it, it, Sport. It, it's its own platform. Wow. Yeah. And it's it's that's wild. It's not based on the Discovery or the Velar. It's its own thing. That's quite impressive. I, I think um, that it's a shared platform in the sense that I I'm not sure how many platforms Land Rover has right now. Right. But it's not like it's based on the Velar. It's not like they they made the Velar into this or vice versa. You know okay. What I'm saying? And. Is there any feature? I mean, you said you went through wide riverbeds, but if there was a narrow riverbed, and could you just stand on one side of it and use your key to pull the car through it? With, uh, with... <laughs> no, you could. What do you mean? Like, okay, here's the, here's my no no no. Here's my question for you: How would no, you have gotten to the other you... side? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, did you pull vault over the river? <laughs> Well, or I mean, did you throw your keys to a total stranger on the other yeah, side? And you're like, exactly. bro, help me out, bro. And he's like, you got it, bro. And he knows how to do it because, of course, everyone does. Well, Range Rovers are very intuitive. Um, um, yeah, what I'm are saying, the... you know, it's about the size of an X2 or a Q3, right? Okay. You wow, that's do... actually way smaller than I thought it was. You can't I think do it is. any of this stuff with those vehicles. No, not at all. I mean, the X, the X2 and the Q3 are pretty much hot hatches. Yeah, it, that's yeah. about it. And they're similar in size. I mean, this has 50 cubic feet of cargo space. That's about what you get in like a Volkswagen Golf. So it's not huge, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is useful. And it was comfortable. And um, it looks really good. And I think it drives better than the previous generation, which I liked. But I the engine wasn't as refined, in my opinion. 
Uh, it wasn't as smooth, and I think they've really taken things up a notch with the new Evoke. The the reason I asked you about that that silly question about the um, the you know being able to drive itself through a, a riverbed, uh, Range Rover is always showing off these really neat features to help make their cars easier to off road. I, I think it, in some way or another they've shown like a like a glass floor sort of um, camera function on the on the primary display and I thought that was really cool it helps you see where your wheels are and stuff like that with in relation to to the ground underneath you does this Range Rover have any of these features or are those all just tech demos to show what they can do if they ever uh, wanted to so it's interesting that you bring this up because the uh, <laughs> the the do you know what I'm talking about? It was a feature. It was called yeah. – I, I can't remember the exact name of it. It was like a clear hood. Where clear like, hood, yeah. It was – it had a specific brand name and it's bothering me now. But anyway, you, you would be able to look through the hood and the engine bay and see what was directly in front of the vehicle like right low, which is great if you're off-roading. Is this on this vehicle? It's on the Evoke? No. That technology oh, does not really man. exist. But they have no. something – they have something – it's clear view. I think is what it's called. They, so they, excited, they have <laughs> – well, let me finish, and maybe you'll be excited again. They have a new feature that has cameras on the mirrors in the front of the vehicle that will put that information on the center display. So you can see what's as though there's no front end of the car, directly what's in front of you and underneath you. And they, they didn't let us try it out because there was only one vehicle that had that feature. It was a European market vehicle. But a friend of mine, Jill Simonillo, she did try it out because they took us to – this is weird, man. There was a – a railroad bridge over this huge um, canal, I guess. Okay. And the canal was hundreds and hundreds of feet below us. And the idea was we're driving over train tracks on a track that's maybe just a little bit wider than the Evoke. And you're supposed to use this feature to see directly below you and be impressed by how high up in the air you are and and be able to point the wheels where they needed to be. So Mm -hmm. we didn't get to do that. We just drove across like bonsai style. (laughs) (laughs) As you would when you're on something that you don't know how long you can be on it before. No. Well, no, they they actually rented out the the entire train line so there would be no traffic. But um, the I, I didn't understand why we were doing this until I got to the middle of the bridge and realized how high up we were. <laughs> it was intense. But uh, Jill did do it with that system, and she said it was pretty cool. And and it did. I think it is eventually coming to North America. They just didn't have any of those vehicles ready for us to test in North American spec. I love I love this. I mean, I, I know that every every month or every week we hear about new technologies that are that are taking the act of driving away from us. But that is a really cool f- feature, especially for off roading when you're trying to do something um, potentially dangerous on your own, like when you need to just get home in in the snow or in in a muddy road or something like that. Well, I don't think it's taking anything away from us. I, I think it's 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 actually helpful. I mean, it's not driving for you. There are features like that, you know, the start assist and hill descent control. We've talked about in the past how if you're going off-road, you're doing it to have fun, not necessarily to have a robot drive you off-road. And, and so that's <laughs> kind of what makes it a weird feature. But um, in this case, I don't, I don't think it's like that. Cool. Uh, what else do you got going on in this, in this Range Rover? Do you think... Um, it is a – I mean, would you ever have recommended a Range Rover to somebody um, before this Evoke or even with this Evoke? What do you mean? The problem is I believe that many Range Rovers suffer from um, poor reliability. And yeah, I it's mean, tough to recommend something like a Range Rover over some of their more established um, 
rivals. If you're looking at it from a reliability perspective, then yes, Land Rover does have some hurdles to to clear. Uh, right. I, that being said, if it's under warranty, I like these vehicles a lot. <laughs> a lot. And I mean, I, mean I, remember I, th- th- I remember the same conversation occurring, and maybe it was off air, but with the Velar, the Velar was super impressive um, and very easy to like, right? It's easy to recommend, I think. And but, is this the same way with the Evoque? No, it's not quite as impressive as the Velar because I think the Velar is very style forward. I think the 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 Evoque kind of balances fashion, style, and practicality. I think it's a more realistic type of car. We did have some problems with – remember when I had that issue with the um, – I don't know if I mentioned it on the air, but I had problems with the I the I-Pace where the infotainment right. system was locking up when I was trying to use a certain MP3 app on my phone. Yeah. That, hap- that happened on this vehicle too. And it happened on a uh, – they provided us with uh, iPhones just in case we needed to call for help, I guess, that were linked to the car and they had music on them and that locked up too at a certain point. So it's little electronic things like that that are still I don't, maybe being shaken out from mm-hmm. these vehicles that you're going to have mm-hmm. to deal with. I mean expect to deal with that kind of thing. And there are a lot of – technologies that aren't quite ready for prime time that we're seeing in a vast range of automakers offerings these days especially in the luxury segment i don't necessarily want to single out jaguar land rover for that but it is there okay i think this is pretty it looks like it when you look at it it has such stance it doesn't look like something that is the size of an x2 or a q3 am i mistaken it looks so much more imposing than those two cars. Well, I mean, the styling is much more upright. Also, all the photos that I took that you're looking at, I, I try to make the vehicle look as big as possible because it's just <laughs> just something I'm into. But um, one thing I wanted to mention about the, the, the drive, on the first day, we were, as you can see from the photos, no doubt that you're looking at, and we'll link the review in the notes for the podcast. It was a beautiful day, and we were in the Panopolis region of – I'm probably not saying that right – of Greece, which is you know very scenic and, and beautiful, and it's kind of a vacation area. And the second day, it was raining fairly hard, and we were asked to drive up this access road on a mountain, mm-hmm. uh, this gravel and dirt access road. And they're like, okay, be careful because there's fog, and if things get too foggy, just stop, and the winds will blow it, and then you'll probably be able to head it, go, go ahead. And I'm like, okay. This was horrible fog. Like, <laughs> we got a quarter of the way up the path. It was four kilometers, so about two and a half miles mm-hmm. uh, on the way up. And l- legitimately could not see 10 feet in front of us. I oh had to gosh. stop numerous times because I did not know whether there was a road ahead or it was just a cliff wall. And on the right side of the vehicle where Ken was sitting, it was a cliff wall in the sense that it just dropped off and went hundreds of feet down and there's no guardrails because why would you have guardrails and it was (laughs) it was fairly stressful driving and we got to the top where there was a land rover representative waiting for us and um it's fogged in you can't see anything there's there's a few vehicles behind us we make it down the hill and we get to a a a brake stop and everyone's Mm -hmm. hanging out at the stop and well, um, Nathan, one of the uh, the, the head of uh, PR for Land Rover, he comes over. He's like, oh, I wanted to show you photos of what the view from the top of that mountain looks like on a clear day. So he shows that we're looking at them, and there's these giant wind turbines that are at the top of the mountain. And I'm like, what what, what are these turbines? He's like, oh, yeah, they're, you know where you were stopped? They were six feet away from you. I didn't <laughs> see them. <laughs> and these are giant industrial turbines. I couldn't see them or hear them. The fog was so thick. I couldn't hear a sound. That That's insane. That is insane. Um, we survived. That's what's important. I mean, I assume we survived, and I'm not in a simulation, but... Yeah, I think you survived. 
is there is there it's a benefit though like the the things that you were talking about with the this fog? vehicle no no the things that you're talking about with this vehicle they they did a very good job of presenting it in this like rugged do anything kind of way didn't they yeah because that's what it is i mean it definitely has those abilities well beyond the the competition and i i can't think of a single compact luxury suv that could have done what we did i'm also struggling to to think of one um but do you think drivers will ever use these? No, I think 90% of drivers will never use that. But that doesn't matter because it's part of Land Rover's brand, so it works for them. Just like Macan drivers are never going to the racetrack. And although I did find a Juke owner at a racetrack one time, <laughs> I feel like that's also the exception. <laughs> I mean, with a Juke, it's something different. I mean, a Juke is a kind of uh, affordable, sporty car. A Juke, a, is, a juke a Macan, is a statement. A Macan and a Range Rover are expensive vehicles. That you don't want to, uh, that you want, that they're at their best when you keep them in this pristine state, like when they're when they're beautifully uh, like detailed, and you don't want to get them dirty, right? I mean, they're expensive to you and me, but for some people, they're not. Oh, thanks, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, I just wanted to throw <laughs> that out there. Go your role, Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I actually I can't get enough of looking at this thing, and I can't wait to book one uh, for myself. Do you know when it's going to be arriving in it Canada or in the United sale States? Right around now. Okay, perfect. Well, I'm looking forward to to testing one myself. It looks beautiful. Um, I think that's it for this week's podcast. Next week we have some more cool cars to talk about. I didn't oh, coolish, just drive. Coolish. I didn't just drive a Sonata in Korea. I also drove the brand new Kia Soul, and not the same Kia Soul that you drove. 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 <laughs> drove. Uh, I drove a uh, electric version of the car, which Ooh. is. Um, very interesting. I can't wait to tell you about it next week. I am excited to hear about that because I, I actually like the, uh, I guess, current previous uh, Soul EV. So mm-hmm. I, I would love to hear more about what the new one has to offer. I drove something far less exciting but turned out to be interesting, the Nissan Kicks, which um, has been out for a little while. And I just haven't had the chance to get behind the wheel. So I rectified that and I have a few things I want to say about it. Very cool. If you would like to, you, listener, would like to subscribe to our podcast, I suggest you do that by heading on to our website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. And when you're over there, you can not only can you see all of our past episodes and all of the links and photos to all of the cars that we've been talking about, but you can also subscribe using your favorite podcast client. There's all these buttons at the top, and you can click on them, and you can subscribe, and it's very easy. But while you're over there, you can also get in touch with us. There's a contact form there. You just type in a few words, you know, like, hey, what's up, Sammy and Ben? Uh, and you can send that and we'll, we'll get that, which is very, very special. And if you don't feel like going to our website to get in touch with us, you can do it on social media. Sammy prefers the cesspool that is Twitter. And you can reach him there at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. I'm on Instagram, which is a friendlier place. And you can find me there at Hunting Benjamin. Or you can email me, Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com, for those of you who are like me and still prefer email. And I really do suggest you guys um, get in touch with us because we've had a lot of listener feedback uh, recently. It's great to hear your stories. There was a lot of people that wanted to talk to Ben about his uh, Grand Wagoneer, and I'm sure he'll give an update in the near future once he's put some miles on it. Um, Isn't that right, Ben? That's correct. Okay, good. I can't wait. I know I can't wait. Actually, I've been just sending him a bunch of emails with different aliases so that he can that he has more content for. Sammy's always trying to boost my, <laughs> my boost my confidence and my self esteem, so I appreciate that. And if anyone else wants to boost my confidence and self esteem, you know what to do. Well, thank you guys for listening, and I can't wait to talk to you next week, Ben. All right, bye bye, everybody. <laughs>